Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, Business Law. I started a new job a few months ago, and I've used a few phrases and terms there that I thought were pretty common in the business world, but I'm finding that they aren't any longer. And that's really a shame because they help to explain things and help you to understand what's going on and the reason that businesses work the way that they do. So I thought I'd talk about them for this show. Now, in this part of the show, There's nothing new or original. I'm not giving you any new ideas here. I'm just explaining to you some things that some other people have figured out as to why things work the way they do in the wonderful world of business. And we're going to talk about the Peter Principle and Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law officially is work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Well, that's kind of a long sentence. I think he probably had a little extra time to write it. It's more frequently expressed as work expands to fill the time allotted for it. And in this book, he gives the example of a little old lady who's going to send a postcard to somebody. She spends an hour picking out just the right card, getting just the perfect one, and then another half an hour figuring out which stamp will go best with it. She does a first draft on some notepaper to get it just right, and then very carefully, using her finest handwriting, copies it to the postcard. And then, once the postcard is all put together, she spends 20 minutes debating whether she should take an umbrella with her to the post office or not, and she wanders off to the post office, and this process takes the better part of a day. Meanwhile, a busy executive, who wants to send out a postcard, grabs a postcard, scribbles something on it, and throws it in the outbox. Takes him three minutes. Now, I know that you have done the same thing. I've done the same thing. You got to work. It's really busy. There's a lot of things you got to do. You got 15 things to do and only time to do a dozen of them. And you really bust your hump and you've managed to get everything done by the end of the day. And you're pretty beat. And the next day, it's the same thing. You got an awful lot of things to do, but you managed to get them all done because it's important that you get them all done. And the day after that, you've really only got a couple of things to do and they don't really take that long. But you can spend 20, 25 minutes making sure that that email is just perfectly formatted and the grammar is exactly right and the turns of phrases are pithy enough. And you manage to take those couple of very small jobs and expand them out to fill your whole day. You've done it. I know you have. I've done it myself. Now, there's another variation of Parkinson's Law that you don't hear very much, and I don't have the book itself. I I really should uh, add that to my library. But the gist of it was that the amount of time spent making a decision is inversely proportionate to the importance of that decision. And he gives the example of a group of people, a group of executives in a meeting to make some decisions. Now, the first thing they have to decide on is whether or not they're going to build a nuclear plant. Now, you have to put this in perspective. This was written, I believe, in the 50s, back before nuclear plant was a horrible, evil word to even think. Nowadays, you can just be sitting in your office and just 
kind of think out loud, hmm, nuclear plant, and suddenly find that your office is crowded and you're surrounded by 15 people waving signs and carrying giant puppets and accusing you of secretly wanting to club baby seals to death in the middle of a Canadian winter. But no, this was a simpler time. And the people here are going to decide, the people in this executive office are going to decide whether they want to build a nuclear plant. But a nuclear plant is a pretty big, scary, complicated thing, and nobody really wants to look stupid by asking questions. And so they talk about it for 15 minutes and decide, okay, let's build a nuclear plant. The next decision on the agenda is how to build a bicycle shed. We want to build a bicycle shed. What kind of shed do we want to build? Well, again, this is the 50s, so they're all guys in there. Most of them have had sheds, and a lot of them have built sheds, and it takes 45 minutes for them to discuss the size of the shed and the shape of the shed and the kind of roof to put on it and the kind of doors to put on it and should it have windows and isn't that necessary. And three-quarters of an hour go by, and they make their decision on the bicycle shed. The last item on the agenda, what kind of coffee maker should they get? Oh my God, everybody knows about coffee. Everybody has an opinion on coffee. And so they spend the next hour and a half hashing out the details of the best kind of coffee maker to get. So they spent 15 minutes on the nuke plant, 45 minutes on the bicycle shed, and an hour and a half on the coffee maker. And again, look around your business, and it's quite likely that you can see the same kind of thing going on. And the other thing I want to talk about briefly was the Peter Principle. Peter Principle states that people tend to rise to their level of incompetence and no further. And this explains the makeup of most large, older organizations. Let's say, for instance, you have a factory that makes uh, gonculators. Widgets are boring, so we're going to have a gonculator factory. Gonculator is uh, basically a widget with a little bicycle horn on it. And... You've got a gonculator maker. He's really good. Works on the floor. And he gets promoted to supervisor because he's a good gonculator maker. Turns out that he's also a pretty good supervisor. He's over 10 different people there. And he works well. And they work well with him. He builds a nice team. Time to advance him again. And this time you make him the plant manager. He does a pretty good job of managing the plant after all. He came from the bottom of the ranks. He understands the way things are going, and he does a good job as a plant manager, and so you promote him to project manager. And he pretty much sucks as a product manager. Oh, he knows enough about the business that he can get by, but he's not a great project manager. He's not even a good project manager. He is, at best, mediocre. You have promoted him one level above his level of competence. You're not going to fire him because he's okay and he's been with the company for a long time, but he's never going to get promoted either. And of course, in the process of promoting him, you've lost yourself a good factory manager, a good supervisor, and a good gonculator maker. And while he's getting promoted, so is everybody else in the organization. And this is happening throughout the entire place. So eventually, every position, except for the lowest one, every position in the factory is held by somebody who is one notch above 
their level of competence. You don't find this too much in younger companies, companies that are three or four or five years old. But once you get into companies that have been around for five or 10 or 15 or 20 years, take a look around and you'll see that's pretty much the way things are run. And that pretty well explains why you've got so many incompetent people in so many positions of authority and decision-making. So now, armed with the Peter Principle and Parkinson's Law, you can better understand the reason that things happen the way they happen where you work. Of course, that doesn't mean you can do anything about it at all. And that's the end of this part of this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. And I have some time left, and so I'm just going to make a comment on some current events. This has nothing to do with the previous portion of the program. Finally, after 73 years, Jerry Falwell made the world a better place by leaving it. With this passing, there's a little less evil and hatred in the world. You can't polish a turd, but you can put it in a $2,000 suit, slap a smarmy smile on its skull, and watch in horror as millions of moronic minions do obeisance to it. Legitimate religious leaders try to appeal to our finer qualities and inspire us to be better than we are. Falwell appealed to his followers' worst, most base emotions, encouraging their ignorance, intolerance, and downright stupidity. His goal in life was to destroy the wall of separation between church and state and to usher in a new theocratic government. And we can see the results of that as we have a White House, a Congress, and a Supreme Court that is intent on eviscerating the Constitution, especially the First Amendment. That is his legacy. My friends, this is one of those very rare times when I envy the faithful, because it would be comforting and appeal to my sense of justice to believe that Jerry is in one of the deepest and darkest places in hell. A special place reserved for his ilk, where the most vile and disgusting tortures are carried out for eternity on the most vile and disgusting creatures who have ever infested the human race. And that's the end of this episode of Quick Hits. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even... If you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations! You've been Smartinized! I apologize for being so late with this. I was going to be doing it uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, which would have been the 15th or the 16th. And I was all set. I knew what I was going to do and I knew what I was going to talk about. And then I saw this Project Censored thing, and I thought, oh, that would be a good thing for a show. Project Censored comes out, oh, every year or so, and none of the stuff in it has been censored. None of it. A lot of it's been ignored, but some of the stuff that they claim has been censored hasn't even been ignored. It's been all over the media. And they have the top 25 censored stories, and they're getting more and more tinfoil hat with each passing year. They're getting into the... 9-11 truth or foolishness and the genetically modified food will kill you foolishness and I was putting together a show for that and I went down and I was going through the, the lists and going through the different points that they had made and making up some snotty little comments and jokes for it and I got all done with it and I thought you know what this is really stupid because this is such an obvious pile of bullshit 
that any of you listeners are just going to look at it and go, eh, pile of bullshit, and move on. And I didn't want to waste your time by wasting time on it. So that's the reason that it got late. That's the reason that this show is uh, a half a week late for you. And uh, we'll try and do it a little closer to the schedule the next time. And now it's time for the email. Hi again to Dave, Dominic Rossetto writes after writing a few other times about some other things. He says, I forgot to mention this in my previous email. I didn't remember that you were the one responsible for my spending two entire days of what little life I have remaining on this planet listening to J.C. Hutchins' Seventh Son patio books. Once I started, I couldn't stop. The books became an obsession. I kept trying to take a break, but I couldn't. Between Hutchins and Scott Sigler, I may have no life left. Just for that, I'm going to recommend Scott Sigler's four patio books for you. Earthcore, Infection, Ancestor, and The Rookie. Let's see how you like it. Thanks. I really mean it. Signed, Dominic Versetto. I did try Earthcore. Uh, it just didn't grab me. Rose was a little too purple, and it just really didn't do it for me. But I started listening to Infection, and I liked it, and I got into it. But at the time, I was working in the back room of a restaurant doing food prep within earshot of the waitresses, and it was grossing them out. So I had to quit it. But I'll, I'll have to download it again and listen to it. I do like kind of waiting until toward the end of the book so you can grab the whole thing, and you don't have to wait weeks for the next episode to come out. You don't have to wait every week for it. But... Infection was pretty good. Uh, Ancestor, I haven't listened to, and I've heard great things about The Rookie. So one of these days, I'll get to listen to it. Unfortunately, the new job that I have gives me very, very little time to listen to podcasts, which is one of the only things that I don't like about it. Mike Ty writes in and says, You were right. Smoking is now capable of making a movie rated R. I wonder if this affects period movies. What if somebody does a movie about the Jamestown colony? What would they be doing in America if not growing tobacco? I'm generally against smoking cigarettes. I do smoke cigars, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, I did warn about that. I could see it coming, but you know, it's not as bad as I had thought it would be. The nicotine Nazis wanted any movie that ever showed anybody smoking in any context to immediately be rated R as a result of it. The Motion Picture Association said, look, 75% of the movies that show people smoking are already rated R for other reasons. So it's not that big an issue, but I'll tell you what, we'll consider it, they patted them on the heads, we'll consider it when we're putting ratings together. So I think the worst that's going to happen is you're going to see the little blurbs underneath where it says uh, the reason that a movie had the rating for language nudity. And if you see tobacco smoking in there, I think maybe that will help to show people just how ridiculous this whole movement has become. And think about what would have to be rated R. Pinocchio, Geppetto had a pipe, 101 Dalmatians, Corella DeVille, a bad guy, she was a bad guy, but she still had a cigarette, Casablanca, hell, most of the movies, the film noir of the 40s and the 50s would all have to be rated R to appease these idiots. But it looks like it's not going to be as bad as we thought it would be. Also, he says, the last name is pronounced Ty, if you read this online. And it's spelled, the way it's spelled, I would have pronounced it Teague, probably. 
If you uh, do write to me and you do want me to use your last name, please feel free to put in some phonetic spelling in there. I did find on a blog someone, and I apologize, I don't remember which one it was or the name of it, but someone had written in to me, read their letter on the air, and they wrote about it in the blog and said that I'd mispronunciated their name. Very easy to do. I tried to get it right because I know a lot of people get really ticked off at that. My last name is Hitt. H-I-T-T, and it's amazing how people will screw up a four-letter name. So yeah, give me the phonetic spelling and and I'll try and get it pronounced right that way. And usually, odds are at least 50-50 that I'll get it right if you do that. And I do want to ask you, speaking of blogs and websites and stuff, I do have one favor that I'd like to ask you folks. For the past seven or eight years, if you went to Google and you typed in secondhand smoke, you would get on page one, out of over, I don't know, 50 million hits or whatever, the facts, my site on Secondhand Smoke, showed up number six or seven on the first page. Now all you get is nicotine nanny stuff. That's it. The fact shows up in the first position on page two. That sounds pretty good, but it really isn't. That means that the first time that anybody looks up any of this stuff, all they're gonna hear from is the garbage of the junk science that's been shoved down everybody's throats. So I would very much like to get that back on page one, even if it's, you know, number 10, number nine, doesn't matter, as long as it's there on page one. And the way that you can help is if you have a blog, if you have a website, find something on DaveHit.com that you can link to. Now you don't have to link, here's the cool thing, you don't have to link directly to the facts. The facts is simply one of four websites that are all under DaveHit.com. So if you link to the podcast page, that's going to boost up the whole site, including everything that's under it, including the facts. So find something that you like. There's articles that are going back to 1999 when I first opened the thing. I'm sure you can find something there. There's movie reviews. There's all kinds of silly stuff on there. Find something, link to it. You'd be doing me a favor, and I'd appreciate it. I also appreciate hearing from you. Love to hear from people. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. Just drop me an email. The email is hitman at davehit.com, and you can find the correct spelling of that in the MP3 tags of this file. Or you can go to davehit.com, spell with two T's, and you'll find links and places all over the place where you can contact the author. You can also give me a call at 206-203-4488. That's 206-203-HIT. And that will make a little recording of what you have to say. And perhaps we can play it here if it's smart and pithy enough. As always, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.